And so this morning, we're going to look at this issue of servanthood. Uh, Jesus, in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, is where we'll be this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And we're going to look at this important principle that Jesus tried to communicate to his disciples. You see, Jesus was, this wasn't just any meal. This was a very critical meal. This was a meal not only critically culturally, but it was critically religiously as well. And so Jesus takes this meal, and they're at this meal, and Jesus interrupts this meal to meet a need. And he understands that he's not going to be with the disciples much longer. And he's about ready to hand off the gospel to them. And it will be up to them to spread the gospel. And Jesus understood that that to do that, there were some things, some principles that they would need to understand. You see, all of us in this room, we come from different backgrounds. We may have different um, levels of education. Uh, We may come from different areas of the country. We may come from the different areas of the U.S. Uh, We may have different vocations. We may have different professions. But one thing that we have in common is we serve. And Jesus was communicating to his disciples the importance of this issue and for them to understand that being a servant was critical to spreading the gospel, spreading Christianity. John chapter 13, verse 1. Here's what the scripture says. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. Now listen, this next phrase is so critical. In my Bible, I, I underline in my Bible, I highlight in my Bible, I asterisk in my Bible, I star in my Bible, I write notes in the margin, because one day it's a part of my legacy that I want to hand off to my girls, to where they're able to look through the Bible and see things that God gave their dad. And this phrase that Jesus makes is so personal to me, and it should be personal to you. And he said this, and he said, and he loved them till the end. Every one of us, we need someone that will love us to the end, right? I mean, whether it's earthly relationships, whether it's, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a mom or a dad, whether it's a close friend, every one of us needs someone that we know, they're gonna love me to the end. Regardless of an illness, Regardless of challenges in the relationship, regardless of the economy, regardless of crisis that we walk through, we have to know that someone is willing to love us to the end. Regardless of what happens. Chuck Swindoll says this. Chuck Swindoll says, a real friend walks into your life when everybody else walks out. A real friend, when everybody walks away from you, And maybe you're like most people, when you go through hurt, you build up those walls of isolation and you just want to isolate. A real friend will not let that wall stop them. They will scale that wall. They will walk into your life. A real friend will love you till the end. Yeah, that's on an earthly level when we talk about that, but here's the bigger picture. God is a God that will love you till the end. And he doesn't walk into your life, he stays in your life. He walks into your life the moment that you meet him and from that point on, he never leaves. And he's communicating to the disciples and he's communicating to us, regardless of the choices you make, regardless of what you go through, regardless of the challenges in your life, I am gonna love you 
I'm going to love you till the end. And Jesus begins communicating these principles to the disciples. And so watch this. During supper, so he interrupts a meal that is not to be interrupted because he notices a need that is going on in their life. This meal, culturally, religiously, was never interrupted. The fact is, when, when we were uh, in Israel with, with, with a group that, that went with uh, Karen and I to Israel, we were there on a Saturday, a Sabbat, and, and we noticed in some of the restaurants, it was just such a beautiful picture of the, the head of household, the dad, leading them through a meal. And there's religious things that they do, and the meal is not to be interrupted, but not Jesus. Jesus noticed a need. So watch this. So when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper, important. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Verse 17, when Jesus ends his teaching, reads basically like this. He says, if you know these things, if you know the word of God, if you know these things, blessed are you who do them. Listen, the blessing in the believer's life is not on hearing the word. The blessing that comes on the believer's life is when the believer is willing to do them. See, a lot of us and a lot of Christians believe that the blessing is in just knowing the Word of God. The blessing is in just reading the Word of God. The blessing is in just maybe memorizing the Word of God. And Jesus would say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. The blessing that comes in the believer's life is when the believer is willing to apply it to their life and to, to do it. The blessing... Man, don't miss this. The blessing is not in hearing. Hearing is important. But the blessing that comes in the believer's life is when we're willing to apply his word to our life. That's why you can meet some people that know a lot about Scripture. They've memorized a lot of Scripture and they're judgmental, and they're hurtful, and they're mean, and they use the Bible like a, like a hammer to, to beat you up with it. Because the blessing that comes is when you and I are willing to apply his word to our life. There's three principles that Jesus gives us about this issue of, of being a servant. The first thing is this, is servants are willing to change their plans. A true servant a person that wants to follow God, a person that wants to take Scripture and just apply it to their life, a servant is someone that will change their plans. fact is, the Scripture says that Jesus rose from supper. I mean, he interrupted a meal that was not to be interrupted because he noticed a need in someone else's life, because he noticed a need in the life of the disciples. I mean, I don't, you know, in the South... Uh, when, when I was raised, and, and we may be one of the last generations in my generation, to where mealtime, suppertime, dinnertime, whatever you call it, that was like a sacred event. I mean, it was not to be interrupted. And we would we'd have to wash up and clean up, come in from playing. We'd gather around the table. And you know what? 
in our culture, and I don't know how it was for your culture, that we could not be excused until dad said we could be excused. Fact is, we'd have to ask him. And he would, he would tell us yes or no, or usually he would say, ask your mom. <laughs> and the meal was not to be interrupted. And see, I know young people, you, this is hard for you to believe, but it was in a time when we only had one phone that hung on the wall with like this big rotary dial. And it was a, you remember that? It was an ugly orange or green in the 70s, you know? Are you guys with me? And there's no caller ID, there's no call waiting, there's, there's no voicemail. I mean, I mean you know what? Growing up, we just had to answer the phone and take our chances. I mean, I mean, <laughs> and so when the phone would ring at mealtime in our house, dad would say, maybe like some of your dads, but he would, we'd all look at the phone and you know, it's like, yeah, it's big and it's vibrating on the phone and ringing really loud. You guys know, and, and he would look at it and he'd always say, kids, if it's important, some of you had the same dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they would say, you know what, if it is important, they'll call back. You know, we did not interrupt that meal for anything. I mean, the meal was time for our relationships. And now today we got more than just a family around the table. We got, we got six or seven cell phones, text messaging, emailing. You know, we've got hundreds of people that gather around the table that we're connecting to. But not in my day. I mean, it was a time to connect. And so Jesus is around. He's around this meal, having a meal with the disciples, and he interrupts the meal because he knows they have a need. Are you willing to change your plans in 2011 to be a servant? Do you even notice the needs? Do you even notice the needs in a family, a community, a neighborhood? Do you even notice the needs in a, in a church? Are you willing? Servants are willing to change their plans, their agendas, their priorities, their free time. Man, to meet a need. If your focus is on yourself, you'll never change your need. You'll never change your plans. Fact is, you will never be able to even identify or notice that there is even a need around you because you won't view anybody else's needs greater than yours. When I was 21, 22 years old, and, and uh, in 1981, I, uh, I went through a period of rebellion and walked away from the church and And I came back to church. And maybe like many of you, I had some of those questions, would God even take me back? And I walked into a church service. And in the worship, the music portion, because it's all worship, God spoke to me. And I realized, he will love me till the end. That's why worship means so much to me. And Chad, thank you for your worship. I mean, it was in that worship period, 
I cannot tell you what the preacher preached. I cannot tell you the text. I know who he is because he became a mentor of mine. But in the worship period, he spoke to me. And God has spoken to me many times since then in worship. And I rededicated my life to him. And I was, I was so excited that I just, it was just natural. I just wanted to serve. And, and that was in the days when churches did things a little bit different than we do today. Now we got spiritual gift tests and personality tests and all these tests so we make sure we get you in the right place, place you like. That's not the way we did it when I was growing up. I mean, here's what you did. You went in and said, hey, I want to serve. And guess what? They kind of just stuck you in a place wherever they wanted you. And so, so I said, I just want to serve. I just want to serve him. And so they, they stuck me in with, with seventh grade boys. And I had no clue about seventh grade boys, and I didn't know that they had high turnover with seventh grade boys. And, and I, could, I could remember my first Sunday school class. I was so excited. I, I taught on Amos chapter 1. I'll never forget it. I worked hours, and I had my points. I had my poem. I had my prayer. I had all this stuff. I mean, I was going to change their life. And I'm sitting there, and there are these metal chairs, and they're hitting each other and kicking each other, picking their nose. They're, they, you know, they're, you know they're, they're making jokes. They're, you know, all these bodily no noises going off and everything. And I'm like, this is insane. And so I did that week after week after week. And then then at, at, at the... the uh, they did a, an annual camp out for the seventh grade boys, and so I signed up for it, and I was going to go, and we didn't have a lot of help, and so it was a bus driver. It was a, a dad that said he's only going to cook. That's all he's going to do. He's not going to do any discipline or anything like that. And me, in 37 high school, I mean, seventh grade boys. That's important to the story. So it's me and 37 boys. Unfortunately, we went to a very public state park. The place was packed. We got there. We unloaded everything. It was time for, for dinner. And so we made this ginormous fire and, and a barbecue pit over here. And so, so the, the guy, the cook guy, uh, his name was Greg, uh, turned to Barry Beeman. You know that, you know, and I remember Barry Beeman's name because I called it so much in those days. And so... So he hands Barry Beeman like that big can of pork and beans, you know, the ginormous can you get, like the tub of beans that you can get at Sam's. And he says, Barry, here, open the can and, and stick it in the fire and warm it. Well, Barry thought it'd be funny, and he just threw the whole can in without opening it. And so after a few minutes, we start hearing this high-frequency noise that kept getting higher and higher. And we're all looking around. About the time someone said, Barry, what'd you do with the beans? The beans blew up. And it's like, whoom, and then hot beans went on all the kids. And I mean, and then we're learning about first aid. We didn't have a first aid kit, so we're rubbing dirt in it and that whole deal. And we're like, suck it up. You're seventh grade boys. You should be able to take this. And, and so, and it went downhill from there because the cook guy, he went into his tent and put on a box fan so he could hear nothing that was going on. And um, the bus driver, I don't know where he went. And it's me and 37 seventh graders who had face painted their face because Barry Beeman brought camouflage face paint. And they ran from me for the rest of the night, and they're terrorizing the place till about 2 in the morning. I still do not know who this is. He was just a, a fellow camper, not with our group. Starts screaming as loud as he can. I, have I haven't heard talk like that since an old John Wayne movie. I mean, he was cussing. He was screaming. He was explaining the type of gun that he had. He started telling them what he was going to do to them. He was going to hang some of them. He was going to shoot some of them. He was going to take some of them and drag them behind his truck until their mama didn't recognize them. And I mean, this guy, this guy's going ballistic. And so, 
so the boys come running up to me, and they're crying and everything. And please don't judge me. This is just what I said. I, I told them I was sorry the next morning. But the boys came up to me, and they said, they go, what should we do? And I says, you know what? I don't know that it really matters. All of you boys are going to hell for this. <laughs> but go on to bed, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> And we'll work it out. You know what? I stayed with those guys, and they stayed with me. And, and, uh, and here's the interesting thing about that. God taught me more then about what it means to be a servant. What it means to serve. What it means just to hang in there. To where in 1997, 1998... Uh, we were here in Pueblo and get a phone call and a pastor of a friend of mine of another friend of mine called me and said, hey, your boys, and we all know who they were because I talked about them a lot. <laughs> your boys are up here at the FCA camp in Estes Park and you're not going to believe this, but they're sponsors. So I, I jumped in my car and I got up there and I just hung out with them. It was amazing seeing what God had done in their life. Some people view church as a place that you serve me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my issues. The church is there to serve me. Man, I'm telling you, the blessing, the blessing is on the one that serves Nineteen ninety four God interrupted Karen and I's life and we changed our plans and came to Pueblo, Colorado, start a church in nineteen ninety nine. He changed our plans again and I became senior pastor here. And I cannot tell you the blessings that we have had in our life and you see there's there's public ministry and there's private ministry. And there's some private things that Karen and I do that nobody will ever know. And for me, it's a gut check to make sure I'm not serving because I'm the pastor or because I'm paid to do. That I serve just because I want to take his word and apply it to my life. counselors have seen the, the principle in this. fact is, Michigan, the, a college in Michigan did a study, and they, and they found that, that uh, I can quote it because I think I put it in the margin, Michigan study, volunteers have 60% lower premature death rate than non-volunteers. Counselors that deal with people that have, are in depression, and, 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 and you know, a lot of times we just kind of slip into depression. Sometimes it's not just something that happens immediately. It happens over a period of time in life. You know what counselors are doing now? Secular counselors, non-Christian counselors, if you will. They're recommending to people in depression, go out and find someone to serve. Go out and find out that someone has it worse off than you do. 
It's a biblical principle of Jesus that Jesus was passing on to the disciples about this issue of being a servant and an issue of, of working with people and this issue of giving of your life because the blessing, the blessing is on those that are willing to do what the Bible says. You see, a servant not only is willing to change their plans, but, but a servant is willing to change their perspective. I mean, you, you look at this, it says, it says Jesus laid aside his, his outer garments. Listen, let me tell you something. If the Bible, if a sermon, if church never causes you to change your perspective, God is not the authority in your life. You are. If you don't read scripture, if you, if you don't come to passages and say, I've got to change my perspective, then guess what? You're, you have created yourself as God. He is not authority in your life. His word has no, is not an authority in your life. And Jesus changed his plans, and, and then he laid aside his, his garments. I mean, that means there are times if you're going to serve, you have to lay aside your dreams, your agenda, your pride, your ego. Maybe you're going to have to change your perspective and say, you know what? I need to serve. I need to serve someone. I need to minister to someone. Listen, as long as the focus is on yourself, you will never meet a need in anyone else's life. You will never even be able to see the need. I mean, Jesus understood this principle and he was trying to get the disciples to grab hold of this because he's about ready to give them the gospel for them to spread. And Jesus knew that it will spread through the vehicle of being a servant, of serving people. In 2011... What do you need to lay aside? Do you need to lay aside some of your schedule? Do you need to lay aside some of your priorities? Do you need to lay aside pride or ego or agendas? I mean, what do you need to lay aside? You see, Jesus, Jesus was in a life group. Jesus did life with a group of guys where they prayed together, they encouraged together, they, they studied the word together. Yeah, one of the ways, can I just tell you, this is early, but this is just for free this morning. One of the ways that God speaks to us is in community. Because we can have blind spots. When other believers that love us and care for us can look into our life and speak truth into our life. Jesus understood the principle of doing life in community. See, a servant is willing to change their plans. A servant is willing to change their perspective. And the last thing is this, is a servant is willing to change their position. This is unbelievable what Jesus does. Watch this, verse 5. He said, Then he, Jesus, poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And so he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him and said, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward, Simon Peter, you will understand. You see, this was a spiritual principle that Jesus was trying to get the disciples to understand, that Jesus was trying to get us to understand. See, we, we can look at Simon Peter and say, You know what? 
I cannot believe he refused Jesus of allowing Jesus to wash his feet. I would never do that. You've got to understand the culture. You see, in their culture, a Jewish person never washed anyone's feet. Fact is, a Jewish slave would not wash anyone's feet. The only slaves that were used to wash feet were non-Jewish slaves. It was seen as the lowest of lowest of lows of servants. The lowest position, if you will. And so what Simon Peter, the reason that he pushed back, he said, whoa, wait a minute. Don't do that. We have the lowest of lowest of slaves that do that. And then here's what Jesus said. He says, well, and Simon Peter went on and says, well, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash, wash you, you have no share with me. And so Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, and, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, this is important, but not everyone, speaking of Judas, not everyone is clean, not every one of you. For he knew, Jesus knew who was to betray him. And that is why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and he resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand? Do you understand what I've done? This has spiritual implications. These are principles critical to understanding the Christian life. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so am I. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, watch this, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You also should serve one another. For I have given you an example that you should, just, you should do just as I have done for you. I mean, isn't that cool about Jesus that would give them an example and give us an example verse 16 truly truly I say to you a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him here we go if you know these things it's more than just knowing that you should serve it's more than just knowing that God would like for you to serve. If you know these things, blessed, blessed are you. There is a blessing on your life if you will do them. They would eat their meal at a table that was low with mats, they would recline generally on their left elbow, left hand, their feet straightened out in front of them. And Jesus gets up in the middle of the meal. He interrupts a meal that was a shock to them. He interrupted the meal because he saw a need that was in their life. He saw something that they needed to learn. He needed to minister to them. And he gets up 
takes off his outer clothing, wraps a servant towel around him, washes, carries the water over, and changes his position. Philippians 2, 6 through 7 says that Jesus humbled himself as a servant and limited, fully God, fully man, limited his divine capabilities, if you will, and became a servant. And so Jesus changes his position And to wash their feet, he had to kneel. He took on the position of the lowest of all servants. And he began to wash their feet. And he washed all of their feet. Not just his inner three. Not just the guys he liked best. And please, don't miss this. He washed the feet of the one who would betray him. That's why Jesus said, the greatest act of love is not blessing someone that will bless you back. Not loving someone that loves you back. Jesus says, the greatest act of love of a Christian, of a believer, of a person is when you are willing to wash the feet of the one that has betrayed you, has hurt you, has mistreated you. And Jesus, see, a a servant A true servant, no position is beneath them. And Jesus was trying to get the disciples to understand that the secret, the method to spread the gospel was servanthood. We see the community not as a resource for this church. We, Fellowship the Rockies, is a resource for this community. And we minister to this community and we serve this community. And there is a blessing on a church and on people when we are just willing to change our plans to change our perspective and to change our position. And I'm telling you, Christmas Eve here was unbelievable. We had four services. We had 1,900 people that took part in us, with us. And the, the 1 o'clock, the 3 o'clock were totally insane. In the 3 o'clock, we had 140 people in, in, in overflow. We had two rooms overflow, the foyer. We had another group uh, in the welcome area. I mean, we, the fact is, the volunteers that helped that night, do you realize it took 200 people to pull Christmas Eve off? 200 people. 
We, we wanted to provide cookies for everybody. But we would need three to 4,000 cookies. And cookies are 50 cents a piece. And so we had people just start making cookies, and everybody that came had homemade cookies. And, and, uh, and I'm going to tell you this. The people that were over-the-top, excited, ecstatic that night were those who served. I mean, they're talking so fast you could hardly understand some of them. Talking about, ah, we took all the office chairs out. We didn't have enough chairs. People were sitting on the floor, sitting on benches. Wasn't it cool? Man, I'm telling you, I promise you this. In 2011, if you will find an area to serve, he will bless you like you will never believe. In your, in your bulletin is, a, is, an, is an orange card just like this. And, and uh, you can turn it in today. You can pray about it. You can turn it in next week. You can turn it in. I don't want to use any guilt. Don't want to use any emotion. But let me just tell you this. We need you. And you know what? You need to serve in some respects more than we need you because of what happens in your life when you know that God can use you and God has used you and in this orange card on the back there's a place for your name and address and contact information and on the back is, is several different areas of opportunities to, to serve here and you know what it would be my prayer that you would just you would find an area and we'll do the best I can, the best we can to come alongside of you and to, to help you serve and to, to get you into a place. Because I'm telling you, the opportunities that we have coming our way uh, in 2011 is going to be unbelievable, some of the doors that are opening up in our community and across the world. And so here's what I'd ask, without any guilt, without any judgment, that you would just find a place that fits with you and that you would just serve.